Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your word that you preserve for us. As we open it today, we know you have something to speak to every heart in person and online. So we pray, God, that you would remove all distractions as we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I was going to wear my drive through nativity outfit, but it's like 50 pounds. I dressed up as a Roman centurion soldier last night. And Tonight, if that happens, like I had shorts on, you know, exposed legs and this and that. So if you have not gone through it, if you didn't go last night, or if you want to go again, you're going to see me in transparent pantyhose tonight. I'm going to be wearing those. I'm, I'm giving it up. I'm like, it's going to be cold. I got to put those on. So, you know, foot warmers, you name it. But great opportunity tonight from 6 to 8. Tell your friends, great opportunity to connect and get to see, like, in action what happened when Jesus came. We're going to talk about what happened when Jesus came today as we continue our series on a thrill of hope. And our hope is that you go away with more hope than you walked in or you tuned into today, that you're going to have hope when you hear this message. And 2020 is one of those years where we need hope, right? Because 2020, if anything, is the year that we should expect the unexpected. I mean, that's the one thing that we can take away and say, we have learned this year to expect the unexpected. You know, my family, uh, this started for us in February. One of my kiddos, our daughter, she was going on a two-week trip over to Europe, to France and to Spain. Now, just let me let, me let that sink in. France and to Spain in February. And they're going to be there for two weeks. And so we sent her over there. It was like a school trip, a cultural thing with the tennis coach. And they're all having a good time. And she's sending pictures and all, all this stuff. And it's in French. And I only had a couple years of it. I'm like, what is she saying? Right? But she looks like she's having a good time. And they're having a great time. And they get into Spain the second week. And Wednesday, about a week and a half into it, President Trump puts out this decree. <laughs> Since it's Christmas season, we're going to call them decrees, right? Puts out a decree, and he says, uh, if you are in Europe, especially if you're in Spain, which our daughter was, you got to get back here before midnight Friday night, or you're not getting back in the country. <gasps> what in the world? I mean, like, what could go wrong when you send teenagers to Europe? I mean, <laughs> they can't come back. So believe this or not, this is Wednesday. He said, this is happening on Friday. Guess when their flight was supposed to be? Saturday. So my wife is like nervous. I'm a little nervous thinking, well, there's nothing we can do. The powers that be, we hope that they get this right. And fortunately, through all the maneuvering, airlines, amazing. They get back at 8 o'clock Friday night. 8 o'clock. We're like, thank you, Lord, right? Who knows what she might have, but thank you, Lord, that she's here. <laughs> Spain, numbers are rising. So she gets back. We realized that this was just the beginning of now 10 months of this is the truth. Expect the unexpected in 2020. And here's the problem. Here's the problem when we think about that phrase. As I was praying about this and thinking, okay, what does that phrase say to us? How does it form and change our experience in life? It changes our psychology, our thinking. Here's what happens. This year, when we think, I expect the unexpected, usually I'm going to expect something to go poorly. It's going to go worse. It's not going to go like it used to. I mean, grocery shopping. My wife, we put, we put candy in the kids' stockings. And guess what happens? When that, when, when that happens, I mean, there's stuff that goes in the stockings, but we also put candy in it, right? Yeah. What happens is this. She goes to the store. She's like, it's going to be the 12th. I'm going to go get everything we need. Guess what? She gets to Walmart. Candy's gone. There's no candy at Walmart. What, the, what is this? It's not like Valentine's Day or Easter. 
There's no candy at Walmart. And she gets home, I'm thinking of my message, like, expect the unexpected, right? What if, what if we actually changed our thinking and when instead of expecting hopelessness, we expect hope. We think, you know what? God is actually gonna do something good out of this, even though I may not be able to understand it right now. Here's a different way to look at it, a different, different lens, if you will, a question to ask as we look into Luke chapter one. What about this? What if God unexpectedly rewrote your life script? You know, you have everything planned out. You have your dream. This is how it's going to go. But what if he says, you know what? Uh, you want to go straight. I'm going to have you go left or right. You want to do this. I'm going to do that. And trust me on this. I'm rewriting your script. Some of you are like, yeah, I've experienced that like five times this year already. Well, hold on. Hold on. Because there's a lady named Mary we're going to look at today. And Mary is, is quite possibly one of the most important women to ever live on this earth. We don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. But we do uplift and, and we're in awe of what God did through Mary. You get that? Well, God did through Mary. And one of the things he did was he rewrote her life script. Totally unexpected things happening. But before we launch into that, this might be helpful for you. When, answer that, when did her life script start? It was before she was born. Think about what she was a part of in fulfillment of God's plan, of his script. We can really go all the way back to Eve, right? Another very important woman. The first lady with Adam, Eve. She took the fruit, gave it to her husband. They both sinned. And instead of God giving up on them, she's, he's like, okay, I'm going to rewrite the script. Going to expect the unexpected. Here we go. And he gives this prophecy in Genesis 3. says, you're going to have a seed. You're going to have a child. And eventually that child, 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 all the way down, uh, your descendant, going to crush the head of Satan, right? And then we're going to find hope. Hope in this descendant. And we come to know him as Jesus of Nazareth, Right? And then you, you fast forward thousands of years to the prophet Isaiah. He lived about 700 years before Jesus and Mary did. And in, and in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this small little verse, very bizarre, says that when this Messiah comes, this Savior, the virgin, it says, will be with child. The virgin will be with child? That doesn't make any sense. What kind of script is that? And yet this is what happens to Mary's life script. Totally unexpected. So let's jump into this and figure out how in the world does God write this? How does God do the unexpected? And how can, can Mary look at it, not hopelessly, but with hope, like the thrill of hope, like this is going to work? Because I think if you can get how she did, you will see how you can. Look at whatever's happening in your life and think, you know what, God, this may be unexpected, but what if it's a good thing? What if we're falling with you in a good place? Check it out, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Okay, so an angel shows up. Now, you know if an angel shows up, it's big. And if Gabriel shows up, it's good. It may be different than what you expected, but it's good. Like you got two angels showing up in the Bible. One is Michael, and when he shows up, get your swords out. It's time to fight. But when Gabriel shows up, which I'm glad for Mary, that was Gabriel, is good news. If Gabriel shows up to you, let me know. Text me. I'll be there in a second. I got to video this. It's going to be great. So Gabriel shows up, and, and check out where he shows up. He shows up to a town called Nazareth. It kind of reminds me of my travels. I like to go to Wyoming at least every summer if I can. And when I go there, I got this place in northern Wyoming I love to go to. I try to get in one night from North Texas to Cheyenne, 15-hour drive, going. Don't calculate the miles and the speed limit there. I'll have to confess my sins again. So you go to Cheyenne, and then you leave that morning, and your next stop is going to be in about three hours to Casper, to Super Walmart, get all the groceries, and three hours later, you're where you need to be, right? Between Cheyenne, very exciting, Casper, very exciting, there's a few towns, and one is called Chugwater. I want to introduce you to Chugwater. Now, I think I know why it's called Chugwater, but it probably got its name before 86, because in 86, they got known for Chugwater Chili, Producing the number one state fair Wyoming chili. But look at Chugwater. Got like 10 streets, five this way, five that way. If you can take a picture with your drone of the whole city from this level, you know it's a small town. Right? And Chugwater's probably great. If, is anybody here from Chugwater? Okay. If, if you're listening online from Chugwater, welcome. We're so glad you're with us today. Your town's wonderful. I love your chili. It's so good. But Chugwater is like thousands of towns that you go through when you're trying to get from where you left to your most exciting place. You're not going to stay there for five days and eat the chili. You're not going to hang out in town. You're going to hope they have clean restrooms and gas, and that's it, right? Like, you go to these towns, and you try to get out as quickly as you get in because you, you don't want to waste time here. This is what Nazareth was like, and I don't think they had chili. Nazareth, Nazareth. Do you know, do you know how out, out back woods, nothing, Nazareth? This is Nazareth. You cannot find one mention of Nazareth in the Old Testament. You cannot find one mention of Nazareth in the intertestamental books that we call the Apocrypha, like the history. You cannot find one mention of Nazareth in the Talmud, which is a commentary the Jews have on the Old Testament. You don't even find it in Josephus' writing, who was a his church historian. What, where does, in fact, in, in John chapter 1, when Jesus calls one of his disciples named Nathaniel, what is Nathaniel's response when they tell him Jesus is from Nazareth? He says, does anything good come from Nazareth? You've got to be kidding me. Okay? Here's the truth that we learn. God works in unexpected places. God will usually work in a place that, that you will think that's the last place he's going to work and he does it. When everybody was thinking of this virgin birth and the Messiah and all this stuff, where do you think they thought he was going to be born? Well, definitely not Nazareth. It could have been any city, but Nazareth. When, when Jesus was born, I mean, you look at the town now, 1,500,000. You look when Jesus was born, 100 to 200 people. Archaeologists would tell us that there was one well there, that the houses 
were 500 to 600 square feet and usually they shared that space with their animals. That they had to go get firewood to warm it. I mean, no indoor plumbing, of course. And most people in towns like this at that day and age were illiterate. I mean, it was like, Nazareth is, nobody's going on the map there. And yet what does God do? Just like God, I'm working in unexpected ways in unexpected places. So be cautious in your life if you ever think, I don't live in a place that God would care. I don't live in a home. I, you know, you start putting any place you can think of where you live, where you go, what you know. I, God doesn't care. He does, right? We see in Mary's life that God works in unexpected places and, he, and he's ready to do that in your life as well. It continues in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled. Really? Wouldn't you be? Oh no, what's this? Okay, uh, she was greatly troubled at the saying, and, and, and she tried to discern what this greeting might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Don't you love that? God says this over and over to his people, even Mary. Don't be afraid. Why? Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And, I mean, this is like more and more, right? And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. Get that one? And of his kingdom there will be no end. Okay. If the angel wasn't a lot to take in, this is a lot. And notice, he says, first of all, don't be afraid, but I have something to tell you. I have something to tell you. And here's kind of what she's getting. God works through unexpected people. Not just in unexpected places, but unexpected people. Because she starts to get the vision of what God is putting together from scriptures. Like this Jesus, which means God saves, He's going to be coming through you. And this is all connected with like King David, who is another unexpected person, right? Everybody looked for everybody else. And King David, and he's going to like be on the throne forever. And Mary, it's happening to you. She was blown away, I imagine. Because she's probably, from her humility that we see later, she's probably not one of those ladies that think, it's all about me. She's probably pretty giddy, right? She was like, we're getting ready to get married. All this stuff's happening, you know, and, and I'm betrothed to Joseph, but God's actually going to work through me? In fact, if you just think about on the scene at that time, she's 13, 14 years old. That's kind of the, the marriage age at that time. Small town Nazareth, remember? Most likely illiterate. People say, well, how could she do the Magnificat? You know, those words that she, you know, praises back to God a little bit here. Most likely, see, those are all scripture references, most of, most of them. She probably heard those promises in synagogue. So, so she's probably not all that, but she is a faithful person, very faithful. So in the world's economy, she may not be that, but in God's economy, I have favor on you. I have favor on you. So what does she do with that? She realizes, I don't, understand the unexpected right now but it sounds like God has a plan and he's working in the most unexpected people and that's where I think this can intersect your life in a huge way 
you might feel insignificant, especially with what's going on in this world right now. It's like we seem to have so little control and we're probably right. We have very little control. But we do have one thing for us. If you are hearing this word today, God has favor on you. How many people in this world cannot hear the word of God right now? How many people cannot hear what God has done and what God is doing? If you're hearing this today, God has favor on you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what kind of guilt you're still holding on to, God has favor. And he shows you that through the baby Jesus. He wants so badly to just be either in your life right now or even more in your life than he is. I'm going to say that again. He wants to be either in your life right now if he's not or more into your life than he already is. He may not send an angel. I don't think he will. But he sure will send Jesus. That's what we celebrate this year. It is in Jesus that we find all that we need. We find the unexpected there. God coming as a little baby, really, in Nazareth? God coming to a virgin, really, in Nazareth? God coming to me, really, today in Mansfield? Absolutely. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants to kind of change your life script. And whether you've been a believer for a long time or you're just checking out Jesus today, he's like, you know what? I have something new for you today. I have renewal, forgiveness. Let's redo this. And here's, here's what happened to Mary. In verse 34, it says this. She goes, how in the world is this going to happen, right? How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, and are you sitting down, Mary? <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born this child will be called holy, the son of God. God works in totally unexpected ways. Totally unexpected ways. Because up until this point, you're like, okay, the virgin birth, I get this, but maybe, like, maybe I'm a virgin and then something, you know, like, think of what's going through your head. This is kind of odd. You're a young you're a young lady. You hear the prophecies in Isaiah for 700 years. They've been thinking, am I going to maybe be that lady, that little, the Jewish girl that grows up to actually give birth to the Messiah? But this virgin birth, that doesn't make sense. It never happens. But you know what? God can do this in unexpected ways. And her script changes. Like her way was, I'm waiting for Joseph to build the house. We're betrothed. Whenever he gets done with the house, he's going to come find me. I'll, I'll hear his entourage coming. We'll be excited. We're going to get married. Maybe we, you know, do whatever for a couple years in terms of establishing our family. That we consummate that. And then we'll have kids maybe, maybe three to five years down the road. But like not before it all happens, right? God works in crazy ways. And here's how he works. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be overshadowed by me. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be overshadowed by God. And that's what he desires to do to you every day. The Holy Spirit come upon you. You're overshadowed by God. So, what's her response? Besides, hey, how's this going to work? Right? It's kind of a faithful response because she doesn't say, come on now. Pull the other leg. It has bells on it. No, that's not at all. She's like, come on now. Come on now. How's this going to be? 
Well, here's her response after he says this. Verse 36, 38 says this. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, she's in her old age, right? Well, check this out. She's also, she's also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called to be barren. I mean, she was old, older, barren. Nothing, it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So look what happens here. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God, the angel said. Do you believe that? Did Mary believe, hey, this is going to happen? Sounds like it. She said, hey, I'm your servant. Let's go. Let it be done. Can you say that? In fact, let me ask you this. What impossible situation do you expect God to be concerned about? What impossible situation in your life are you saying, you know what? I think God's concerned about this. I don't only think he's concerned. I think he can do something about this. I mean, it could, could be the usual suspects like job, health, you name it. Those are important. But what if it's relationships? Relationships that need to be restored. You're like, this is so damaged. Like the tracks are not only, it's not off the tracks, the tracks are blown up. And what if it's in your head, man? There's so many, like the studies are saying, we're at like the lowest in history in mental health percentage-wise. Like we, are, we got some bad stuff going on here in this country. And you might be sitting there today listening, either in person or online, saying, man, I, God can't even fix this. I'm just going crazy. He can. He has resources. He has people. We're here to help at St. John's well. Whatever your impossible situation is, it's not impossible to God. And so I, I encourage you to ask this question. In your life, what needs to change? What's needed for you to be able to respond like Mary? What's needed for you to say, okay, you know what? I don't get this. This is unexpected. The script is rewritten. But Lord, I'm your servant. Let's go. Let's go. What would have to change is, is belief. Do I believe God can do this or not? And that's where Mary, filled with the Spirit, overshadowed by God, this can happen. And it can happen for you. Now, belief just doesn't come out of nowhere. It's where the Holy Spirit's working. I love Romans 10 where it says faith, okay? Faith comes through hearing the word of God. If you have faith, you have faith, you're like, I have faith. I mean, I believe God can do this. And so if you're looking for that today, look no further. When you read God's word, you can see, you know what? God is faithful. He does what he says he's gonna do. He's powerful. He can take impossible situations, create the, the unexpected that I don't ever get, and it's gonna happen. So if you're out there today and you feel like you have no hope, we get you, I get you. This year has been crazy. But there is not only hope, there is a thrill of hope that God has for you. And it's found in his word. So expect the unexpected. Allow him to rewrite your script. And here's the cool thing. Usually when God rewrites your script, it's better than you could ever imagine, better than you ever could have prayed for. And that's what I pray for for you for 2021.